Hello and thanks for joining us for another APW Property Podcast. APW helps expats buy property in the UK and has been doing that for over 30 years. And as part of that assistance, APW has commissioned this podcast series, putting out information about the UK property market to help buyers, old and young, experienced and novice, make better decisions about their purchase. Joining me today are APW's top commentators, Stuart and Callum Williamson. Hello, Paul. Hi, Stuart. Uh, for the listeners, you won't be able to see the the shirt that Stuart's wearing, but it's um very lovely. Um, hello, Callum. Hi, Paul. I think the, the shirt is fitting when it's minus three degrees outside. You need to warm yourself up somehow. Yes, well, it's a pleasure to talk to you both. Callum, you're in Australia and Stuart, you're in Wales today. So That's correct. Lovely place. Yaki da. Yakidar, as they say in Wales. Uh, my name's Paul Shearer and I'm an independent property writer who's been living in, writing about, buying, selling and landlording property for many years now. Today we're going to be taking our monthly market mooch, looking back at what happened in November that impacts the housing market. Uh, Stuart also has his excellent weekly market roundup called Market Wrap, which you can watch on YouTube. Uh, Stuart, have you worn that shirt on, on the YouTube uh, Market Wrap yet? I did actually wear very similar this last week because I was in a tropical location, which I'm sure you'll know because you're bound to have watched it. And so I did wear a shirt very similar to this, although a slightly different colour. Well, I think we should uh, flag up that in your next podcast, you're going to be wearing that shirt. Well, I was gonna, I'm doing it today. So it is um, a thing of what to wear because I'm not really in the office environment. So someone did say last week, would I wear a Santa suit? So I did actually put a Santa suit on last week for the market wrap for some of the photos. And um, I've got to say, I did look a bit like Santa, a bit like a Winston Churchill Santa, which is a bit sad, really, but there we are. You you often get comments on, on the dress, though. You know, people are often commenting, you know, where can I where can I get one of those shirts from? So, you know, maybe that's next, an APW Hawaiian shirts and could be another source of income for the business. The things we do for entertainment, I won't tell you about the hot pants I once wore at the Labatt's Apollo in Hammersmith, uh, but um, that was for another, in search of the, the beast comedy. Anyway, uh, Stuart, how did you see November in your in your market wraps? Well, it's a strange old thing because I think the Liz Trust quasi Quateng, um experience, uh, their budget, so to speak, has basically pushed back uh, by a month, sort of what normally happens at this time of year, because I think a lot of purchases went into shock and obviously interest rates started going through the roof and people were like, oh dear me, the end is nigh, even though people have been saying this for quite a while. But it didn't actually happen. It's a bit of a, like a phony war, so to speak. And so what's happened is that the market activity we normally get in in October, November has been pushed back so now it's quite frenetic out there. People trying to buy and still get a, get the good deals that are available on the mortgages. And the market is still very buoyant. I mean, it is slowing for sure. And as Jones Lang LaSalle say, we're looking at probably a two a two speed market. But it has been very busy for us. And it is because of the budget pushing back the normal end of year um, rush. Well, the the month started with the Bank of England announcement on interest rates. Uh, Callum, take us through that. Sure, yeah. I, I mean, you know, according to the Times, they're expecting the base rate 
uh, to rise to 3.5 in December, which is when the next, you know, the next announcement is December the 15th, sort of moving all the way up to 4.25 by March next year, uh, according to the Times. And I think, you know, we discussed this in, in last month's market, Mosey, you know, the, the sort of peak for interest rates, we're now expecting that to be sooner rather than sort of delayed into um, into sort of the end of 2023 and further, you know, so hopefully March next year could be the peak and then we'll start start to see things coming down a bit. And, um, you know, we, we, we ran an event in Singapore a couple of weeks ago, actually, and we had a mortgage, expat mortgage expert there. And, you know, he was sort of saying a similar sort of thing, the peak will be much sooner and then rates will start coming down again. So, so the Times are saying 3.5 by the end of the year and then up to 4.2 uh, the first quarter of next year and then perhaps coming down after that. Yeah, the month started with their 0.75 percentage points rise to 3% from the Bank of England. Uh, that was voted in by a majority of 7 to 2 on the committee. Uh, their next meetings, as you say, are December the 15th, uh, then February the 2nd and March the 23rd. And they're expecting that rise, as you say, to 4.25%. But this is only a prediction. You saw some good news, though, Stuart, on the mortgage market. Uh, take us through some of that. Yeah, I mean, basically, as I mentioned before, you know, the negative reaction to Quasi Quartengler's Trust's mini budget has meant that, you know, rates did soar, they spiked, but they've settled down since then. Um, and in fact, at the seminar we did in Singapore, the mortgage broker there said he can get a five year fix of 4.75%, which is better than he can get actually in the UK. So things have come down considerably. There's some great quotes out there. Mortgage strategy came out and said, uh, earlier today, Money Facts revealed that the average rate of a five-year fix has fallen to 5.95%. So there is a lot that you know, is lower availability than that. At the start of the month, it was 6.32. So, you know, it is coming down and the panic has gone out of the markets, which is very positive. So a calmer market, but higher rates are likely here to stay after a historic period of low interest rates uh, since the 2008 crash. Uh, what about the rest of the economic challenges, uh, Callum? Yeah, sure. I mean, much the same, really, as it has been for, uh, you know, certainly for the past six months. The war in Ukraine is still a huge threat to stability, especially as winter approaches with the sort of, um, you know, the supply of energy. Cost of living, still an issue. High energy costs, uh, inflation, still eating into spending. Uh, I think sort of from a wider economic perspective, those are the issues. But, um, you know, looking at uh, the property market, we're seeing changes in the trends there. Uh, from sort of race to space to people moving back towards the cities. So wider economic, you know, still facing a lot of the same issues. But if you're looking within sort of a property in within a property market, then there's some positive, positive changes there. Yes, yeah, so the inflation figures were published again in November, and they show that the annual inflation rate in the UK was jumping to 11% or 11.1% in October uh, from 10.1% in September. So it was higher than the market had forecast. Uh, it's the highest inflation rate since October 1981. So the main upward pressure was coming from household and household services, uh, namely gas and electricity, uh, huge rises in those throughout the year, and they're still continuing. The rise was constrained slightly by the energy price guarantee that the average unit cost of gas was 10.3 pence per kilowatt hour and electricity at 34 pence per kilowatt hour. But without the energy price guarantee, the average unit prices for gas and electricity were expected to rise to 14.8 pence per kilowatt hour and 51.9. So the energy price guarantee has substantially reduced that. 
But uh, inflation would have risen to about 13.8% had the government not intervened to limit the price of household energy bills. Prices for food and non-alcoholic beverages were 16.2% versus 14.5%. They also marched higher. On the other hand, transport costs eased slightly um, with 8.9% versus 10.6%, mainly from motor fuels coming down and second-hand cars. The price of second-hand cars has come down. Are uh, you going to be buying yourself a second-hand car, Stuart, in the near future? Yeah, I think I might consider it because, I mean, cars really are, to be fair, compared to other certainly Singapore, you know, Australia cars here in the UK are amazingly cheap. And I don't think it's comparative, but I would recommend, as far as an investment, I wouldn't recommend it, of course. But from a pure enjoyment perspective, why the devil not? That was from Trading Economics, the website, all those figures there. But they were quoting from the ONS, the um, Office for National Statistics. So I had a quick look at the ONS website, where I also came across the CPIH figures, uh, as opposed to the CPI. It's a different inflation measure. The CPI figures are the, what are they, Consumer Price Index. Uh, But the CPIH figures also include the occupier's housing costs. So the annual rate rose from 9.6% in October, up from 8.8% in September. And they have a graph which charts the CPI, the Consumer Price Index, the CPIH, which includes the housing costs as described, and then they separate the owner-occupier's housing cost into a line of its own, which is labelled OOH, or OO, which I rather like. So I might ask you next time to give us the OO forecast for 2023. But basically prices are going up and putting a strain on household budgets. I think I find it amazing, Paul. I mean, if I didn't know you were actually married uh, with a family, I would say you were a single person because some of the research you do is the most obscure. Can't be very friendly, user friendly for your family. <laughs> I'm a confirmed bachelor, as the uh, phrase used to be. Yes. Uh, no. <laughs> well, I have to do. I have to do this fact checking. You see, because uh, you can find stuff on the internet, and you think, oh, yeah, that sounds very interesting. I wonder if it's true. And so they quoted the ONS figures, and I thought, oh, well, I better just check that. And then I came across that ooh figure. So there well, you go. Ooh, ooh blimey, <laughs> that sounds very good. But I mean, if you look at the National Institute of Economic Research, there's a professor down there called. And being in Wales, I'll have to use his name, Hugh Dixon. And he writes that in all scenarios, there is a rapid fall in inflation from February 2023, which is due to the dropout of the high inflation figures in the corresponding months of this year. However, inflation will remain well above 3% for the whole of 2023. And Nisa's current forecast is that it will not return to its target before 2025 mid so that is two and a half years ago away before it gets down to 2%. Okay, well, there you go. The National Institute for Economic Research, talking of obscure research points there. Callum, uh, what about the scenarios that he's talking about as to why these things are dropping out and, and what the picture is globally? Sure, yeah. You know, the scenarios he is talking about there are the the global uncertainties that are still rocking the system. Uh, you know, these being tensions over Taiwan, China's uh, zero COVID policies and, you know, uh, ambition to still pursue that and their effect on global supply chains. You know, um, as I mentioned earlier, the war in Ukraine, to name a few things that are sort of uncertain in the global system. Yes, all these things are there and they just seem to be sort of not going away. Um 
and, and continuing to to impact uh, everyone's life. But uh, let's have a look at that autumn statement that Jeremy Hunt delivered in more detail. Um, Stuart, what did you think of the statement? Well, it was pretty grim. I mean, there was only one bright bright light really on the uh, horizon from a property perspective, which was the maintaining of the stamp duty holiday for lower value purchases, which was positive and should help in you know, a buoy the market. I mean, everyone was going to get everyone was going to get taxed a lot more, but it seemed that to me that property investors weren't as as badly hit as they could have been. Okay. Well, I came across a, an article in The Telegraph which set out the, the situation nicely, and I'm grateful to Richard Evans for his excellent summary. But the article was called Winners and Losers of the Autumn Statement, and it begins, Not many people can expect to gain from the proposals that Chancellor Jeremy Hunt announced yesterday. Most of us are likely to be worse off as a result of his stealth tax rises and spending cuts. Uh, but he begins uh, in the winners column with uh, stamp duty, as you say. Stuart. So, Callum, I don't know if you want to go and get a cup of coffee or, or maybe play some football. Or I'll ask Stuart what he thinks about stamp duty. Yeah, I'll um, I'll just <laughs> I'll put myself on mute and I'll I'll turn my earphones off and then just wave your hands like this when when he's done, which <laughs> maybe a while. Well, as you know, as you know, it's a heinous tax and it stops people moving around the country and it stops economic growth. It's shameful. Yes. Well, as you say, they're going to um, continue that holiday for until March the thirty first, twenty twenty five. So the the lower rates will continue. And in fact, it was a theme of the budget that what he did was put a lot of things into the next parliament, uh, which they may or may not be responsible for. So that was quite a sneaky thing to do. Yeah, it's a bit of a time bomb thing, isn't it, for the Labour Party? Because if they if the Labour Party do win the next election and are elected, they're going to have a lot of stink bombs to deal with. And um, it's going to put them in a poor situation. But it's rather defeatist, I think, of the Conservatives to have done that. But the whole thing with politicians, they don't do what's best for the country, they do what's best for their party. Yeah, well, if you want to know more about the rates uh, of the stamp duty rates that will continue till 2025, uh, have a listen to the previous podcast that we made on this very subject, uh, which went out in October. Uh, next winners are the pensioners, as the Chancellor hung on to the triple lock pledge and state pension payments will rise by 10.1% next April, based on September's inflation figure. Pension credit will also rise with inflation. Good for pensioners then, Stuart? On service of it, it is, but they've since come out and said that they could well be putting back uh, retirement age to 68 earlier than expected. And if it does that, it'll cost the average person who is working now an extra £10,000. So it's not actually very good. Um, and the triple lock is not actually in place. It's just, again, a political bit of posturing. Okay. Uh, there was new information about the energy support ca- package, Callum. Yes, the uh, Chancellor announced how the energy support package would work after the current scheme ends in April. Average bills uh, will be capped for 12 months at £3,000 sterling, uh, which the Chancellor said meant an average of £500 support for all households. Uh, Those who heat their home with oil or LPG will receive help worth £200 up from £100. So there's uh, stamp duty, um, energy support packages, pensioners helped out. What about the low paid and those on benefits, Stuart? Well, the national living wage is going to go up to £10.42 an hour. 
It's the largest increase in, in cash terms. And the Treasury said that 2 million people would benefit. On the benefit claimants, um, state benefits are due to rise in line with inflation, which is good. 10 million working age families are to benefit from £600. And Mr Hunt said the benefit cap will rise in line with inflation. And there'll also be a £900 cost of living payment for those who are means-tested benefits, whilst pensioners will receive an extra 300 quid. Okay. And uh, help for those in social housing? Yes, the government will cap rent increases in the social rented sector at 7% next year. Uh, That's obviously less than the rate of inflation. They say this will help protect households across England from the rising cost of living. Okay. Uh, What about the losers then? Well, actually, that comment about the um, social rented sector is to a certain extent a, a losing comment because it meant that you know, people who are investing in that social sector are going to have their profits curtailed. And that's one of the biggest areas of growth at the moment. So it's, it's not necessarily a great thing. But on to generally, who are the losers? I mean, people that earn lots of cash, you know, because Mr. Hunt confirmed that the threshold for paying 45 pence top rate of income tax would be lowered from 150,000 to 125,140. And Anthony Watling not Welsh name, of Evelyn Partners, definitely not a Welsh company, who are a professional services firm, said the number of people who paid 45% tax could rise by as many as 246,000 as a result of the change. The government said the highest earners will contribute more because it's fair those with the broadest shoulders should help with the most vulnerable, which I think is not a very nice way of putting it, really, because it suggests that people who earn a lot of money have got very broad shoulders, which a lot of them don't. Okay. A little bit of history. In the 1970s, the highest rate of income tax on earned income was 83%. Uh, Margaret Thatcher's government reduced it to 60% in 1980 and 40% in 1989. Uh, From 1989 to 2010, the highest rate of income tax remained at 40%. And then it's been doing a bit of a yo-yo since then. And there was a 15% supplement, I think, which was uh, for some... I don't know where that supplement tax, but that meant that some people quoted that high rate as uh, 98%. That was true, wasn't it? Elton John was paying 98% tax and uh, he said he'd leave the country. And apparently if he'd left the country, he'd actually have to pay more than that. So he'd end up having to pay the exchequer to actually live overseas. Okay. Uh, Other losers, uh, Callum? Taxpayers. The freeze on income tax and national insurance thresholds, currently frozen until 2526, has been extended by two years until April 2028. So this is the the kind of creeping tax, putting it into the next parliament. That's it, kicking the can down the road, beyond the next into the next election, giving it, you know, making it someone else's problem to deal with. Uh, some other changes in tax for investors. The tax-free dividend allowance was reduced to £1,000 in 2023 to 24, and then to £500 in 2024 to 25. Uh, the annual allowance for capital gains will be reduced uh, for the 23-24 from 12300 to 6000 and then again to 3000 in 2024-25. And then changes to inheritance tax as well. Jeremy Hunt extended the nil rate band threshold freeze. So that's £325,000 of no tax to pay on inheritance. Stays the same until April 2028. So severely constraining the kind of Chancellor's movements in the future. 
That's it. So if I was thinking of, say, patricide, I should get on with good, it. Good words, yes. That's with the £325,000 of tax-free inheritance, yeah. That does go uh, alongside if you're actually in the will in the first place. If you're not, then it wouldn't affect you anyway. Wills are pretty easy to change these days. There we go. I'll check out my Google search history and you'll you'll find all of that in there. <laughs> okay, well, let's have a quick look at house prices. You mentioned it earlier and the effect that all of this has had on the house price market. Uh, but uh, you said that it, actually people are rushing to buy before Christmas and there was the pent-up demand from the kind of pause that happened in October. So how's it been impacting prices and what's happening, the regional pictures and so on? Well, I think we're seeing... You see a lot more um, people who who are selling off-plan stuff, builders who have just started the development uh, and they're trying to sell them in a hurry. I was speaking to a client in uh, Bermuda and uh, he was saying he'd been offered a, a deal on a, an apartment in Manchester where they would pay the stamp duty for him as long as he bought before the end of the year. So I think builders are feeling the pressure of what might be around the corner. And so they are trying to move stuff along. But as far as I see it, clients, as long as they're buying in the right ties environment, as we call it, which is what's ties, Callum? Transport, infrastructure, employment. These are we do ties or pies, uh, which is population, infrastructure, employment. Same, same, but just uh, different ways of saying it. As long it. as you're buying in a, in a location that's strong in, those lo- in, uh, in that, and that is uh, mirrored by the Jones Lang LaSalle report, where they say, you know, buy in central London, Manchester, Birmingham, uh, Edinburgh, Glasgow, inner city areas, because that's they are benefiting from the, the rush back from the country, which happened. So, you know, we're still seeing strong strong growth in the right areas. It's the areas where it went too much that will go down. Yeah, so I think that doesn't, you know, average price of property coming onto the market fell by 1.1%. I don't think that tells the full picture, you know, it often doesn't tell the full picture because that's a, a nationwide um, figure. You know, if, you know, as Stuart said, what we're seeing is sort of a reversing of the race for space trend and people moving back into the cities now because they realise actually they have got to spend some time in the office and actually they do want to be in the city and around people now that things are open. So... Yes, overall it may have fallen by 1.1%, but I think what we're seeing in yeah, in the cities, in Birmingham, Manchester, you know, any city centre, people are moving back into these places. So demand is high and competition is high for, for properties. So, um, yeah, it comes back to buying smart and buying in the right places. Yeah, that fall was uh, from uh, Right Moves November report, and they claimed that it usually drops in November as people try to sell before Christmas. Uh, but they also said that buyer demand was, you know, noticeably dropping, and that there was a thirteen percent increase in property coming onto the market. Uh, so the annual price increase was still at five point nine to seven point eight percent, depending on which sector of the market you're looking at. Uh, but what about any regional trends that you can spot other than that sort of move into city centres? But I think if you, you know, I was reading the Savills uh, Global Report this morning and they were saying everyone's been talking down, you know, house prices around the world, but of the top 50 markets, over 40 were still going up in value. And, okay, it's a bit like turning around a, a, an oil tanker. It's going to take a while for these things to slow down. And if you have bought in a good location, which have a levelling up agenda going on, got infrastructure development, those sort of things, like Manchester, Birmingham, 
you know, then it will continue to do well. So I think the regional trends are the city centres that haven't gone up crazily will carry on as people are forced back into the market by the weakening employment situation with the recession going on. So, yeah, I think that the whole sort of like South Yorkshire conurbation, you know, we're doing stuff in Sheffield at the moment, which is going very well. The first phase sold out within a week and a half. So there's still demand out there for city centres. Yeah, and we uh, so we did a podcast on Sheffield. Uh, have a listen to that. Also, where my mum was born. That's it for today. Thanks to Callum and Stuart. Next week we're looking at Manchester neighbourhoods. Uh, so have a listen to that. Uh, it's goodbye from Stuart, though. Cheerio. Goodbye from Callum. Goodbye, everyone. And it's goodbye from me, Paul Shearer. Have a lovely day. Thanks for listening to this episode of our podcast series produced for APW by Emma Holton at Brilliant Audio. If you enjoyed it, be sure to subscribe, hit like, share it with your friends. If you didn't, keep stum. You can find more episodes in all your usual podcast places.